following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. So tonight I want to talk about um, clarity and confusion. This is um, something that I've had a long interest in, and it is a really important um, kind of really big key uh, of um, Buddhist practice is for us to come out of our delusion or confusion. And when I was um, in my early 20s, I um, married an alcoholic. I didn't know at the time that that was the case, but um, for approximately the next 10 years, um, there was the the pain and suffering of of alcoholism. And I was in denial. I was in delusion and denial about about that, what was going on. And even um, my husband's parents came to me and said, you know, I think that there's a problem here. And I said, I don't think so. Doesn't seem like a problem to me. Um, and so I was uh, into my delusion and enabling. And but I was really fortunate because what did happen was that um, Al had a brother who lived in uh, Canada, and every three years or so, his um, his brother would and family would come and visit us. And so after about the third cycle of this, so about nine years in, it, I saw this pattern. I saw that this had happened three years before and three years before that and three years before that. And um, I got real smart and I saw, okay, well, this is going to happen three years from now and six years from now. And, you know, so um, that broke through my delusion and denial. And as often happens when we are, have the good fortune to, to see what's going on and to admit it, um, then uh, there was an article that, that I saw in the paper a short time after that that um, offered help. And I was able to seek help. And it was, um, it was quite miraculous and lovely what um, came out of that experience for me. Um, really a great um, relief from suffering uh, that was caused by that situation. And But I remember early on in um, recovery that it, it occurred to me, well, what else am I deluded about? What else am I in denial about? There's got to be other things. <laughs> and so that really scared me, you know, because in a way I didn't, really want to look, but on the other hand, I, I saw the benefits of looking at that. And um, so I um, I guess that was sort of in my consciousness that that was something that I, an aspiration that I had. And so um, about seven years after that, um, 
Al had um, been asked by a friend of his who lived in California to um, get her a carburetor for her 1962 Dodge Dart. And... Um, he was able to find that for her. And as a thank you, she sent him the book, Joseph Goldstein's The Experience of Insight. And um, when I read that book, it, the, the book is, um, was based on a um, series of talks that Joseph gave during a 30-day retreat. And when I read that book, um, I thought, oh, well, there it is. This is what I've been looking for. Um, this is... Um, what will, you know, I didn't you know, exactly know, but I, I knew that that was what I was looking for. And so, um, again, some more serendipity. A short time after that, uh, my sister worked at the Humphrey Institute, and um, someone gave her a flyer that there was a Vipassana teacher, a mindfulness meditation teacher, who was coming to the Twin Cities to the Unitarian Church in St. Paul to give a, a talk. And um, I was very interested to attend and went. And my, it was confirmed for me that this it was indeed um, what I was interested in um, pursuing. And so um, I've been practicing and studying since then. So this is um, the, <coughs> the second noble truth. Um, that um, there is a cause of suffering. And um, the Buddha says that this cause should be understood. When the Buddha was, um, was growing up as a young prince, he was um, shielded from any sort of um, suffering, from encountering any sort of suffering. And... Um, it was quite successful, but then um, as a teenager, he decided that he wanted to go out beyond the palace walls, and he did that. And when he did, he saw um, suffering. He saw a uh, old person, an aging person. He saw a sick person, and he saw a corpse. And um, he was really shocked by this. He had never seen this before. And um, so when he saw this, he understood that he was also subject to this suffering. So he saw that um, there was this danger, um, uh, the, the possibility of, the, well, the inevitability of, um, of suffering. And he felt that he was vulnerable. He understood that he was vulnerable to that suffering and he wanted to escape it. So he um, and then also on this um, outing, he saw a, a wise person, a sage, a, um, a spiritual seeker, and he saw that that was the way to, um, for him to explore um, going beyond um, to see if it was possible to go beyond suffering. So he was lucky he immediately came out of delusion. Um, but
So when I was um, preparing for this talk, I um, came across this article by um, Tanisha Robiku, um, the uh, Access to Insight website. And um, the title of the article is um, Freedom from Fear. And so in this article, he um, talks about, he, he gives the example of a deer uh, coming into the uh, headlights of a hunter. And um, he says there's five things that happen as that are components of this fear that, that happens to the deer. There's the... Um, there's confusion, um, there's anger, and there's, but along with that confusion and anger, there's also the understanding of um, that there's danger and that the deer feels vulnerable and the deer wants to escape. So the last three components, the um, seeing danger, the um, feeling the vulnerability and the desire to escape, these are helpful um, things. These are beneficial things. But the confusion and the anger are not skillful things. And um, so in, um, in terms of you know, in terms of practice, it's important to, those things are, pre are present. And it's important for us to recognize those, um, to know that the, clearly to see that there's, um, you know, when there's fear, that there's anger there, there is, um, there's confusion, but um, not to, um, not to get caught up and identified and, and um, tied up in that, because then um, the, the skillful actions can't come out of that situation. So um, this is a, a really important um, thing for us to understand in, in terms of um, when we're feeling confusion. Um, it says, if stripped of confusion and aversion, the three elements that I mentioned, um, become a positive quality called heedfulness, something so essential to the practice that the Buddha devoted his last words to it. And then he goes on to say, when we think about how delusion infects fear and incites us to do unskillful things, we see that it can act in two ways. First, the delusions surrounding our fears can cause us to misapprehend the dangers we face, seeing danger where there is none and no danger where there is. If we obsess over non-existent or trivial danger, we'll squander time and energy building up useless defenses, diverting our attention from genuine threats. If, on the other hand, we put the genuine dangers of aging, illness, and death out of our minds, we grow complacent in our actions. We let ourselves cling to things, our bodies, our loved ones, our possessions, our views, that leave us exposed to aging illness, separation, and death in the first place. We allow our cravings to take charge of the mind, sometimes to the point of doing evil with impunity, thinking we're immune to the results of our evil, 
that those results will never return to harm us. So he goes on to talk about the importance of, um, of conviction. And um, so the conviction that we um, look to develop is we look to develop this um, conviction that he's, he's talked about here that um, when there are, um, when we act without integrity, that we are, we open ourselves to harm. And when we, um, and we, what we need to be uh, come convinced of is that, um, that, you know, this is, um, is something that we want to, um, explore um, not acting on and then but the other part of it is all is there's also the um, other part of that which is when there's um, if there's some something good if there's some uh, something generous something uh, virtuous if we act out of integrity then um, we can also become convinced and uh, understand that all of that, that those good things are never lost. That um, even um, when the the body dies, these these seeds are part of the mind. Both the um, the seeds of, um, of as he says, evil, um, or these seeds of goodness. And so, if we become convinced of this, then um, it, it gives us a really um, strong desire to um, to explore this for ourselves to see if this is um, is indeed uh, true what uh, what he's saying here. So one of the ways that can be um, a kind of an interesting way to explore this is that um, in the uh, in the Buddhist psychology, it's um, said that there are uh, three personality types. So, well, just to go back, so if we're looking at the um, the second noble truth that there is a cause of suffering. Um, so the cause of suffering is craving. Um, or clinging, and oftentimes this craving or clinging is broken down into three um, parts, three um, different categories, um, into um, the category of greed or sensual desire, um, the category of uh, hatred, ill will, um, aversion, and into the category of uh, ignorance or delusion. And so um, we can um, kind of be interested in sort of what is our, of course, um, every temperament or personality has all of these three elements to it. The, um, the element of um, you know, grasping, of, of um, you know, wanting um, things of, 
wanting to fulfill our sensual desires, um, the thing of not liking things, of pushing them away, of aversion, of um, trying to get rid of things that uh, we don't like, and of you know anger, um, ill will, um, you know even hatred. And um, then there's the the third aspect of um, this just being confused and deluded um, of taking things, not understanding that um, that things are are rising out of causes and conditions that um, that you know that the seeds are planted of um, you know what whatever their thoughts arise in the mind and whatever actions come as a result of that, um, those are planting seeds. And um, so the, the seeds come to fruition at some point. And um, so we can uh, take a look and, and see, um, you know, just be interested in um, our behavior. Um, you know, wh- which of these three um, categories is it leaning towards? And then you know, we can kind of get a sense, too, of, um, of what our um, main um, you know which one of these categories we're most likely to act out of, and actually when when I, I first heard this kind of early in practice, and I at first I thought, well, I don't know, you know, I, I think I have, I think I'm kind of equal in this area. But, you know, I don't think I have this or that or that, but of course, being a deluded type, <laughs> I didn't understand. <laughs> but later, after some more practice, I. Um, heard another talk, uh, actually, when Neoshan Kelly came and, and spoke here. And I think it's on the Common Ground website, I'm pretty sure. Um, so she talked about, gave a, a, um, a Dharma talk on the three uh, personality types. And um, it became quite clear to me when she did that, that um, that, that was uh, definitely deluded type. <laughs> So, um, but what's kind of, what's nice about it in in Buddhist um, psychology is that you know this is this is something that all human beings have. It's not like oh, you know I'm so deluded. I mean, it's something that um, all human beings experience. So it's just kind of a a way that we can look at um, at our thoughts and our behavior and and kind of help to get some um, some clarity. Um, about that. And there's also, um, along with these, there's not just the um, these, uh, negative patterns, but um, each of the um, types has a positive quality as well. And so the, um, the positive quality of the um, if there's more aversion, um, you know, more of the aversion as um, category in the personality, then um, that those individuals tend to um, have um, more clear seeing. Wisdom is um, part of that because um, when you're not liking something, it really kind of grabs your attention. You you are drawn to look at it and to 
to see through it. And so there's um, there's that quality in the aversive personality type. And then in the um, in the um, if the personality leads more towards um, the greed or the sensual desire, um, there's more of there's a, a lot of generosity that can come out of that um, type of personality where you know we're very um, you know interested in um, in pleasurable things and out of that comes um, you know, there's just a, a generousness of, of that um, personality type and then with the um, diluted uh, personality type there is um, equanimity is the um, quality that is um, part of that. So um, I, I listened to a talk by uh, Sky Dawson, and she was talking about how she is the deluded um, personality type, and she had and she has a, a friend who is a um, more of the greedy type, and her husband is more of the aversive type. So they went to this restaurant. And um, the the, um, the the woman um, was looking for the nicest place with the best view and you know the most comfortable chairs and so she picked out this spot and she oh this is it you know so she, they all sat down and um, after they sit there for a little while the husband the aversive type says you know it's kind of cold we're kind of close to the air conditioner and you know it's kind of noisy we're kind of close to the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that these are true, but <laughs> and um, and Sky said she was kind of like, duh, duh, duh. it all seems okay to me. <laughs> so uh, I can relate to that. <laughs> but the, the thing w- with that delusion is that we we are, you know, it's kind of a kind of be disconnected um, a little. Uh, Lack of uh, clarity on um, on what's going on, and that is um, so. Being as this practice about is about seeing things clearly, um, this can be a definite impediment to um, to our um, making progress, and and um, but if we're if we have this awareness, then we can um, then we can work with it. One of the things that so you know this thing about we are we can accept that we are in delusion um, about things. We take things very personally, and um, you know the, the Buddha said that um, nothing whatsoever should be taken as I, me, or mine. Well. That's kind of a big. Well, that's a big step for, for most of us. So it's good to we rather than say, well, that's not that's never going to be possible for me. Um, it's better to say, well, what you know, wh- where am I now? Where where can I? I have to start from here. So um, so what can I um, what can I do to um, to see things more clearly? So 
one of the things that is helpful is that, um, first of all, to, just to accept that there are things that we are deluded about, and um, and you know, that's just the way it is. Um, and but then we can have this aspiration, um, this interest, this willingness, um, just to just say, well. I would like to see things clearly. I'm willing to see them clearly, and um, I, I have that aspiration. And really, our aspirations are very um, are a very important part of spiritual practice. Um, to really be clear about what our aspirations are, and um, then to have the intention to um, to act on those aspirations, and. The, and then it's, but it's also really important to um, to understand that um, the habits um, in, in you know human beings, the, these habits are very deep. These habits of um, of acting out of um, greed, hatred, and delusion are very deep in human beings. So um, even though we have this intention, this very sincere intention. Um, not to act on those um, impulses or urges. Um, the impulses or urges are just stronger than our intention. And um, so that's just the way it is. But we can, um, over time, we can become confident that, um, that by keeping um, applying these intentions over and over and over again, that. Um, that there will be, we, we will be successful. Um, we will, um, our aspirations will um, will come to fruition at, at some point, especially if we're looking at the really big picture of things. So also this week I was um, reading a chapter out of the uh, James Baraz and uh, Shoshana Alexander's book, The um, Awakening of Joy. And um, in this um, course that he teaches online, there's a well, there's a chapter in the book called The Bliss of Blamelessness. And there is also a, um, a, a lecture um, as part of the class online. And um, so he has a really, I thought it was a really good exercise that um, we can do from time to time. Um, the the um, Buddha said, uh, he had a son, who Rahula, who um, when he um, became a teenager, he um, became a monk. Rahula did, and so the Buddha was his teacher. And um, he told him, he said um, that in terms of his actions, that um, with every um, before he acted, he should. Um, Look, he, he should be aware of the thought 
that the action was coming out of, he should be aware of it before he acted, and then if he chose to act on it, or if he did act on it, uh, that then he should um, examine it while, be aware of it while he was acting on it, and then he should uh, be look at, reflect back on it after he had acted on it. And um, so um, this is something that we can do from time to time. I, we can do it um, as a monk would um, you know, be able to put their full attention on this. But, um, but as, um, as lay people, we can, we can uh, work with this. So um, James says that um, if we live by our deepest aspirations, um, goodness can come out in an unobstructed way. So um, he says that he, he has suggests this exercise of where we um, think of something that we um, did that did not have good results, that we later regretted, and that we reflect back on this, and um, we um, look at in that moment of how did we, how did it feel in that in the moment, or right after um, we did that, and then we can reflect on what came back from us, um, from the other people that were involved, or from the situation. Um, what came back to us. And um, then the third thing is, um, we, we're, as we're recalling it, we, we see how is it affecting us now when we recall it. And then um, we know that, um, that having practiced it, we're more likely to, um, to repeat this in the future. So if we're looking at um, an action that we regret, you know, we can we can you know, really see how that how that feels. Um, you know, we can think back to um, how was it in that um, that moment um, that we acted, um, and what was the response? What kind of response did we get back as a result of that action? And um, and how do we still feel about it now? And uh, then we can but we could do this likewise with. Um, a positive action. We recall something that um, beneficial that we did. Um, we can um, we can say how did that feel um, in, in the moment that we did it or right after, and um, what kind of response did we get back as a result of that action, and um, how do we feel about it now when we reflect on it, and then we're likely to. Having done that action, we're likely to repeat that. Um, more likely to repeat that action in the future. So this can be a. I think that's a really nice, um, a nice way to, um, to to reflect on our on our actions, and to so that it becomes clear to us what are the um, what are the results of um, you know when we act in a way that is um, not out of our deepest aspiration or when we act in a way that is. Um, 
And there's also, I've noticed that um, oftentimes there's uh, a little something that, like if we're paying attention, there'll be a moment that will come up. Like if we're going to do something that's unskillful, there'll be a moment that will come up when we'll um, we'll see that oh, you know, this is probably not the best. Way to go, but it can it can slide by very quickly and easily get covered up by our our normal habits, and um, and then we'll go on and, and act in our usual way. So this was not, uh, and, and even in, in little ways. You know. So I, I had an experience like this the other day. I um, I was uh, doing a, a spreadsheet um, at work, and I was plugged in this formula. And there was a little thing, you know, I remember later, there's this little spark that said, oh, I should really check that to, to see if that's the right, if I did that correctly. But no, I let that go. <laughs> and so I, I take the spreadsheet to my boss. He goes, um, he's looking at it. He says, well, this doesn't make too much sense here and here. Oh, yes, I'm sure it's right. <laughs> I said, well, and I, I gave this deluded excuse about why this really explanation for why I was right. And then I thought, wait a second. <laughs> what, what am I doing? Wake up. <laughs> so I woke up and I said, oh, you're right. I'll go correct the formula. But I mean, you know, it, I mean, so this is, I can laugh at this, but, um, you know, it, it's really to just really kind of pay attention to those moments where, you know, we kind of get that little warning and um, we can pay attention. It's, it's nicer for, for everyone, uh, including ourselves. So I'd just like to read uh, one other part here from um, Tanisha Rubiku's article on uh, freedom from fear. This is probably the most disconcerting human weakness of all is our inability to trust ourselves to do the right thing when the chips are down. If standards of right and wrong are meaningful only when we find them convenient, they have no meaning at all. Fortunately, though, the area of life posing the most danger and insecurity is the area where, through training, we can make the most changes and exercise the most control. Although aging, illness, and death follow inevitably on birth, delusion does not. It can be prevented if through thought and contemplation we become heedful of the dangers it poses. We can feel motivated to overcome it. However, the insights coming from simple thought and contemplation aren't enough to fully understand and overthrow delusion. It's the same as with any revolution. No matter how much you may think about the matter, you don't really know the tricks and strengths of entrenched powers until you amass your own troops and do battle with them. And only when your own troops develop their own tricks and strengths can they come out on top. So it is with delusion. 
Only when you develop mental strengths can you see through the delusions that give fear its power. Beyond that, these strengths can put you in a position where you are no longer exposed to dangers ever again. So one other story before I open it up to any comments or questions. I was driving to, when I um, drive, I use that as a meditation period because I'm by myself and you know, it's a time when I can um, and not have distractions. So um, oftentimes I just um, pay attention to the sensations in the body or you know, just the activity of driving, what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing. You know, just bring the awareness back to that rather than you know, either listening to music or um, listening to something on the radio or even thinking about what I'm going to do when I get to where I'm going. So I was doing that the other day. And then but sometimes I also practice um, loving kindness meditation. I find that that's a, a nice thing to do on the road. <laughs> and so, um, so the other day when I was driving to work, I was practicing. Um, I was you know, just being aware of the activity of driving. And um, I, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a centipede, a big centipede, drop off my dashboard onto the floor of my car. And I was afraid. Now, I've never been bit by a centipede, but I've heard that the bites are painful. So I was afraid. And I was also afraid I was on the road, so I was afraid, you know, of what that was going to be like. But then, so I, I but I, too, I became aware of the fear, and, um, and I, I knew that uh, I didn't have to, you know, make all these projections about what was going to happen. So I just, you know, kind of stayed with the fear. And just just before the the centipede had dropped to the floor, I had had the intention of changing to starting to do loving kindness practice instead. But then the fear had overwhelmed that um, that intention, and so um, I paid attention to the the fear for a while. And um, then it you know, subsided somewhat. And then um, there came this um, this caring about the centipede, and um, you know that, and kind of worried about the centipede that maybe if it got over to my side, I might step on it. You know, and um, you know it was just this total change. And really, that was so much more. Um, that, that just felt so much better than being afraid of the, the centipede. Um, and I did look, for, I, I never did find it. I did look several times, but I never did find it. So either it's still in my car and I'll have, have a chance to practice more <laughs> awareness of, of fear and possibly loving kindness in the future, or um, hopefully it, it has gotten out. So. So I'll, I'll stop here, and we'll have a few minutes for um, if there's any things that people have to share about their own experience with um, um, confusion, uh, delusion, or um, anything else that uh, you would like to share. And uh, also, if there's any questions that you have.
How helpful it is to me when you tell stories on yourself and then you laugh and, well, I guess I'm deluded. If we also have that ability, then seeing clearly is going to be more enlightened. Yeah, I mean, it is really important. I mean, you know. For us to, um, you know, kind of to keep a sense of humor and some lightness. I mean, you know, suffering, is, you know, is kind of kind of a scary thing. But you know, it's um, yeah, just to, to keep some lightheartedness. And even you know, like in in our practice, sort of. A, I mean, one of the um, seven factors of awakening is investigation. You know, that's a very important part of the practice. It's just, you know, having this interest and um, uh, you know, just really being uh, yeah, being willing to to um, to take a look at things. And, the, you know, this real curiosity is a, it's a um, important part of, you know, quality that we want to develop in practice. So um, I think you know, probably from our schooling, I don't know, we kind of have this thing of you know we've got to you know really try hard and succeed and um, you know, well and, and there's not so much of the playfulness that that comes in to to learning uh, most much of the time. So if we can kind of bring that um, that sort of interest and playfulness into our um, learning about practice, that helps us. Neocean Kelly, and it was a it was several years ago, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's on the website. It, it's it's an interesting talk. Find it interesting. part of this practice is also forgiveness. So, you know, we just 
forgive ourselves. Um, but we also, I, I think if we, if we do this um, exercise of reflecting on it after the, the fact, if we um, take a look at um, how that feels, I, I think that can um, sink into the, into the unconscious because that's kind of where these impulses are coming from. And, um, you know, so that I, I think that it, it does over time, uh, it, it can really change that. And, and two, I, I think we, we really um, see more and more clearly that, um, you know, that those actions aren't beneficial. And so there isn't that quite that quickness. You know, we've become more aware there is more of a, of a, a slowing down of things. You know, you know, a few years ago, I uh, I realized I I would become uh, I, I would have to talk to tech support quite a bit, and um, I would uh, really I would get frustrated and, and angry, and so, you know sometimes I would um, not I, I would. Uh, not be, I wouldn't get angry, but I was tight, you know, when I was talking to him, I was like, and, um, and I, you know, it really, it, it just really sunk into me one day that that is not a beneficial behavior, that I do not want to continue that behavior. And really, when I saw that, clearly that, you know, I mean, you know, like the, the Buddha says that being angry, and that can be anything from irritation to um, rage um, it's like picking up a hot coal and throwing it at, at someone so we always get burned before I do that and it's not very pleasant to think of the hot coal hitting someone else either so um, yeah so just uh, just that awareness of you know, just we just don't want to do that anymore and um, yeah, pretty much, you know, remember, just go there. But let's just say, it takes time and, you know, we really need to, one of the things we develop in this practice is patience, and especially patience and kindness. You know, we really need to develop kindness towards ourselves because um, if we're not, if we don't treat ourselves kindly, then it's, um, less likely that we will, you know, easily treat others with kindness too. But um, yeah, really, kind to ourselves. Anything else that people would like to share? A question? Yeah. Just have a question. You know, I understand the whole importance of compassion. Yes. Yeah, and that's what um, Tanisha was talking about, kind of this complacency that we can we can get into, and that is really easy. I think, especially. Um, you know, in our society, and where we have so much, um, and really, there's a lot of, of pleasure for us, 
And so it, it is kind of easy for us to get complacent about this. And um, so that's what you know, he was really talking about, um, that to, um, you know, this is a very important part of the, the Buddhist teaching, is that um, you know, our, there, there are always um, seeds that are planted by our actions, and those always come to fruition. Um, and that's not so clear. That's not so, you know, because, you know, that's not so easy for us to see. We don't, you know, it's so complicated that it's not like a, you know, you do this. It's, it's kind of like, you know, we know, like, if we touch the stove, you know, that, so we learn not to do that. But um, in, in the um, area of integrity, it's much more complicated. And so we... You know, we really need to um, to explore that and see if you know is that you know is that something that um, we can see as true. I mean, that's what the teachings say. Um, you know, is it something that um, that even if we can't see clearly, we can really make it an important part of our practice, and then. You know, to remember too, it's not just the the um, the unskillful things that you know will cause um, suffering in the future, but the skillful things will um, will cr- create um, pleasant things for ourselves and for others in the future, and also um, that. Um, when we have that kind of integrity, that's when um, we can see um, the the possibility we can, of, of going beyond conditions, and of um, you know, that you know, the the benefit of of detachment. But, um, but it's always has that they. Aspects of wisdom and love are always with that detachment, that non-attachment, and not clinging. So I think, what, what did somebody say? Um, things are, you know, so we're, we're not responsible for, like, our thoughts. Our thoughts just arise. Um, but... Um, we are responsible for for training the mind, so we are responsible for um, for working towards clear seeing. Anything else? That any other questions or comments? I'm sorry, I couldn't quite hear you. Yeah, and it's kind of um, 
long to go into, but um, I would say, um, so just in, in terms of, and if you listen to Miocian's talk, she, um, she addresses that. But um, just quickly, I would say in terms of, um, of delusion, um, it's really, well, first of all, as I, I mentioned, you know, making this aspiration and, and um, um, the desire to see through that um, and the, the willingness. So just making that a, a strong intention. And then I guess from my own experience, just, um, just really naming, like con- when confusion arises, for me it arises a lot, and just naming it, oh, this is confusion, this is confusion, this is confusion. And um, and then um, you know I, then don't get so caught up and drowned and you know so you know, so confused that I don't know I'm confused. Um, so so that's you know like I mean for me I, I it's I can probably feel it in the body when you know I mean, usually I feel the sensations in the head. Oh, that's confusion. And um, and then to uh, yeah just to to really be aware of it. And, um, so probably have time for one more comment or question. A couple years ago, there was a test on the internet that you could take, and it told you what kind of first mental Okay. Well, I, I can't remember what it was. But it's still out there someplace. You can't be interested in taking it. I thought it was kind of interesting. So. Yeah. yeah. So I guess uh, if you do a search on uh, Buddhist personality types or something, you'll try. I think that's all to do. I don't always Buddhist personality types test. <laughs> <laughs> What? It, it was in Shambhala? Yeah, Here and I thank you for your attention. And did, did you have any announcements? Yeah, a couple. 